0: going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, for America. Um, So I was listening to this guy. I don't know who he is, but I'm going to play you this little clip. Oh, here we go. His name is John Doyle. And... I'll go take a look and find out who he is after I play this for you. But he's talking about the characteristics that define somebody who identifies as far left. And maybe they don't identify as far left, but they just are um, based on certain criteria. And I want you to listen to this guy's criteria. Take a listen to this. What motivates people who are far left isn't really like the struggle of the working man. It's actually like
1: resentment towards normal people and towards prosperity because they can't compete in like a, a hierarchy. Um, and that's why we saw in the last three years in particular how vicious these people become in like overnight. I mean with the COVID stuff going on, they are very happy to willingly lower their own material standard of living if they believe it's like owning the chuds or like making people like us be more miserable in our day to day because they 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 themselves are already miserable, so it's not a whole lot is changing, but we used to have a nice country even as recently as 20 years ago, and I think they actually, like, enjoy taking that away
0: just because they think that we're, like, evil people. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. That's exactly how I view people that I would say are on the far left. Miserable, vicious willing to tear this entire place down, ready to burn our buildings to the ground in order to own the other, in order to win some immature, petulant, child, narcissistic, entitled, holier-than-thou game that these people play because they don't have anything else you know in their lives they don't have hobbies they don't have personalities they don't have goals all they have is excuses they have the victim mentality it's always someone else's fault that i am the way that i am and it's it's always someone else's fault that i did that thing the other day and for some reason and by some miracle they can absolve themselves of any responsibility or the need to suffer any type of consequences. They don't learn lessons when they make mistakes. They're so demon ridden, possessed that they want to be vicious. They choose to be vicious to others. They choose to live in misery and misery loves company, right? So they want others to be miserable, as well. These are the people that I think when the people that sit on the panels at the World Economic Forum started having conversations about, hey, you know, who are really the people in society that are going to push back against our agenda? And let's find out what the percentage of those people are. You know what I think they probably found? I think they probably found that an overwhelming number, probably. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say fifty percent, but maybe, maybe more than fifty percent of the average person is this type of person. And I made this uh, argument. I brought this up on a previous show. How much of your date do you experience joy and love and connection to the earth or connection to others? How? comfortable are you in your own skin how much of your day are you feeling anxious or depressed or angry or confused or frustrated right and i think it's very very easy to control human beings and i think that that's why they the world economic forum plans are coming into fruition now because they've already done the research people They've already made the calculations. They've already done the test runs. And they know, uh, you know, within a standard deviation, plus or minus certain amount of points, what's going to happen when they do certain things and when they start social engineering society in some new way. I think they're getting really, really good at it and I think that they have gained the confidence to take the next step and people these people that I just described the far lefties out there that don't even know what a political party is they just it's literally the type of people that 100% are brainwashed by the propaganda and by the schools They cannot think for themselves. They are incapable of having deep thoughts. Um, Tiana, the truth seeker, I remember she telling me, I remember her telling me rather that, um, that there are people out there that are literally NPCs. They've done tests and a lot of these, there are people walking around that really don't have independent thoughts. They just are, you know, basically just, Uh, animal mindset like I need to eat I need to shit I need to fuck you know whatever and any outside stimuli that tells them something or coerces them of something or sets up a system of control to make them believe that the world is a certain way that's exactly what those people are going to think about the world is exactly what the programming tells them that's scary people that means people like you and me people if you're listening to my show I'm just going to assume (laughs) that you're not one of those people. Uh, People like us, my fellow Americans, intelligent truth seekers that listen to the Politics and Punk Rock podcast, these are the people that we're going to want to avoid when the technocratic system uh, gets rolled out further and now the time has come where we all need to make a choice. Do you want to get out of their systems and become a sovereign individual and live off the land and raise your own livestock and grow your own food and homeschool your kids and all of that become more spiritual, uh, connected to others, uh, creating community, society, free of government, external control, you know, the whole libertarian, agorism, conversation, voluntarism, um all of that. I was just listening to "Wake the Dead." Uh, Brian over at "It's a Hard Rock Life" podcast sent me one of their episodes. It's like five hours long. I'm just getting into it, but they're talking about all this stuff. You know, a lot of us know what's coming, but a lot of us aren't doing anything about it. So, I encourage people to go listen to that episode. I think the guy's name is Derek Bros, B R O Z E, Brozy I'm not sure. He wrote a book about how to get out of the system. And he tells he tells uh, the guys on the show, this is you, you really need to set goals. You really need to make a plan of action. You need to start working towards things because the things that you want to do, if this is really what you want to do, get out of the system completely, you're going to have to put in work, and it's going to take time to achieve goals. He this guy says that he just bought land in Mexico because he wants to get out of this country, and it it was a three year process for from conceptualization to completion so you know I know it's easy to get overwhelmed with all this stuff people but I just wanted to start the show today by showing the archetype of the far lefty NPC unthinking unfeeling you know mouse utopia victim of the 15 minute you know pain painless concentration camps from Huxley the brave new world story right that's what's coming in some weird form and if you really want to find like-minded people to get together that are you know have the same goals and want to create their own societies these far left NPC people that are devout to the state are the people that you're going to want to avoid Let's take a listen to this again what motivates people who are far left isn't really like this struggle of the working
1: man it's actually like resentment towards normal people and towards prosperity because they can't compete in like a a hierarchy Um, and that's why we saw in the last three years in particular how vicious these people become and like overnight i mean with the covid stuff going on they are very happy to willingly lower their own material standard of living if they believe it's like owning the chuds or like making people like us be more miserable in our day-to-day because Cause they themselves are already miserable so it's like not a whole lot is changing but we used to have a nice country even as recently as 20 years ago and they, i think they actually like enjoy
0: taking that away just because they think that we're like evil people yep that's our enemy that is a, a uh, description my fellow americans politics and punk rock podcast fans and listeners the person that john doyle is describing here is our enemy How can we make them our teammates? I don't know. Because it looks like research shows that some people are unhelpable, unfixable, and like I always say, if you've been listening to my show, unsavable. And that's why the spiritual quest is internal. That's why I believe the Almighty God however you want to describe what that is to you, wants you to save yourself. Nobody's coming to save you. And in my personal humble opinion, that's the way it's supposed to be. You are supposed to figure out whatever the fuck this thing called life is. This short Random chance occurrence in the universe that we all experience. Consciousness, right? That's how you win life. Is you live in love over fear. You get away from being vicious and violent. You get away from being resentful, miserable, weak. Pathetic, full of excuses, the victim mentality. That's what you got to get away from. This guy, John Doyle, podcaster, musician. He's got a show on YouTube. I think it's called Heck Off Commie. Um, He's got a lot of videos out there. I think he's kind of an investigative journalist type of guy. And uh, pretty popular. Some of his videos have over 300,000, up to a million views. Uh, So go check out John Doyle. Renaissance man, looks like. Insightful stuff. Okay, let's move on. I keep saying I'm going to quit preaching at you guys. So I'm going to leave that whole spirituality self-conversation right there. Um. I wanted to play a funny comedy clip for you guys that I think uh, illustrates how ridiculous the woke agenda conversation is with regard to uh, racial uh, slurs or language terminology uh, and the society's general inability to deal with hard harsh language. And, and words, words hurt me. Speech is violence. You know, that whole thing. Uh, notice how Tom Segura here, uh, stand-up comedian, turns all of those ideas on their heads. I love this bit because it's funny, but it also makes you go, Man, this woke stuff is the most immature, stupid, insulting, embarrassing shit. Like, if you think this way, like, you should be embarrassed and insulted that the people that are rolling out this new world order, new age plan for people, they think you're so stupid that you can't even. I mean, they they, they look at us as babies, as children, as cattle. I find it disgusting. But take a listen to Tom Segura here and uh, have a laugh. We don't have to be all doom and gloom on the show all the time. Let's laugh at ourselves, okay? And in this specific case, let's laugh at white people. <laughs> Take a listen to this. In this bit, really quick, he's talking about what people can and can't say anymore, okay? So here we go. You might be sitting in your seat now
2: going like, well, Tom, what can we still say? <laughs> what can we say? I'll tell you what you can say. White racial slurs. All of them. Let her rip. Cracker, Mick, Kraut, Pollock, Frog, Guinea, Wop, Honky, have fun. <laughs> say them all you want. And if you're not white and you're going, wait, are you saying that I can say those? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Call up your Italian friend tomorrow and be like, hey, you fucking guinea. And he'll go. <laughs> I, don't care. I don't care. I don't give a shit. It's not a historically disenfranchised group. The best slur of all, for me, I think, is honky. I'll tell you why. The word honky is hilarious <laughs> in and of itself. But for some reason, truly racist white people Listen. have latched onto that word. It's like this great indicator to know if someone's racist. If they act like that word is offensive, run. Okay. <laughs> you don't believe me, watch the news. Next time there's some like racial fight in the news, they'll find some hillbilly. Like, what happened? He'll be like, Well, he called me a hunky. <laughs> and they're like, And did you pass out from laughing hysterically? Or what happened next? He's like, No, I stabbed him. And you're like, Oh shit.
3: That's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, so that's goddamn hilarious. You ever think about that, people? That's a true indicator. If you want to know if a white person is racist, call them a honky. (laughs) And if they get livid pissed off at you, they might be racist. Because the rest of us that aren't racist and don't care about this stupid crap and don't play these stupid games with you children out there, We don't care about words. Words are a vehicle towards knowledge, meaning, wisdom, understanding, connection, community. Do you see how the language is used? What you can and can't say is used against you, and it's intended to keep us separate. Us versus them. Divide and conquer. Don't come together. Don't have community don't exercise your freedom of assembly or your free speech your your ability and your right to speak freely that right it doesn't exist anymore but you know when we used to have the bill of rights remember those days oh those are great days when people actually you know uh believed in and loved the constitution what it represented and what it gave to people and what other people uh have given in their lives and their ancestry to come to a, a nation like the United States and have freedom. And sadly, all that stuff's gone. Like the, the promise of America. I mean, the people that used to make makeshift rafts out of whatever garbage and wood and plastic they had and risked their lives literally, literally came with the shirts on their backs over oceans to land in this new world this free country where they could write their own ticket and achieve any goal that they set for themselves and practice their religion freely remember that remember all those ideas those great founding father americanism ideas the founders the the philosophers the you know the masons all that shit the jesuits for, for some reason all of those evil groups at some point in history, wanted to develop the human being. And it's getting a little out of control these days. Now they want us to merge with machines, obviously. It's getting to, um, you know, excessive levels of trying to improve humanity. It's getting to a point where it's not really going to improve humanity individually. Now it's going to be improving humanity as the collective, which means your freedom is gone. So... Do you want to participate in that world or do you want to participate in building your own world, writing your own ticket? And if you're that kind of person, uh, go check out this guy, Derek Burroughs. Uh, I think this is from episode uh, episode six of the Wake the Dead podcast. Sean McCann uh, is the host and another gentleman, I forget his name, Uh, but he has a website called Consciousresistance.com and then i think slash how to is where you should go to check out his book and look at articles and uh, writings that will help you in your decision making because we're all about to arrive at a fork in the road historically speaking my fellow americans And I think I said this on one of my very first episodes. The time is going to come at some point where we are all going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to choose your road wisely. And in the words of Jason Cruz from Strung Out, are you going to take the the way you know? Or are you going to take the road unknown? Start thinking about this stuff, people. Let's go hit a commercial and get that out of the way. And uh, after the commercial break, I'm going to bring up a story that is in the news right now about Chomsky. You guys know one of my most listened to episodes was my Chomsky episode where I, uh, you know, shared some thoughts on the man. Uh, but what I just discovered about him recently is a little nuts and it makes me scratch my head. And want to investigate more. And you guys probably already know what I'm talking about. But I'll get into it here in a second. I'll be right back. All right, people. Welcome back to the show. Uh, In the spirit of fairness... Um, I'm going to talk about another group of people that are our enemy. And of course, it's the inversion, the polar opposite of the far left. Known lovingly as the far right. These people are quite similar, almost identical to the far left. But instead of the state being their God, their God is the Christian God and a belief in Jesus Christ being their Savior. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. They are to be able to practice their religion freely just like everybody else in this country, right? That's the idea. That's what the founding of the nation and secret destiny of America, Manly P. Hall, all that shit's all about, right? But you far righties are a little too devout, a little too fundamentalist, a little too afraid of your neighbor, a little too afraid of people that have different skin color and different cultural backgrounds than you. And I know for a fact that some of you that go to church every Sunday think that you can walk through your life being a sinning piece of shit human being and all of your sins are forgiven. So long as you go to church every Sunday, and you sit in the pew for an hour, and you try to let that sermon Wash over you and swirl around your head for a little bit so you can get continuously reminded that if you repent, if you atone, if you take communion, if you pray, if you go to life group, whatever it is. You know, if you're Catholic and you Father, Son, Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever your denomination of Christianity is, doesn't matter. Your behavior is what matters. How you act in society is what matters. And I hate to tell you, but you people are equally as nuts and crazy as the far lefties out there. And if you listen to my show and you're one of these people, you're probably I'm probably pissing you off right now. If you're pissed off at me right now, It's time to take a look in the mirror, people. You're going to have to find a way to coexist peacefully with others that are different than you, regardless of your beliefs about how things should be in your mind in this country. Tolerance. I've been over this so much, I can't believe I'm going to do it again. With freedom comes two things. You need to be tolerant of people that are different than you. Tolerance. You cannot live peacefully. You cannot coexist with others peacefully. If you do not tolerate their way of life, you don't have to like it. No one said you ever, no one ever said you had to like how somebody else lives their lives. But if you're going to be a citizen of a free country, you must, you Have to, you do not have a choice. You must tolerate others that are different than you. Write that down and put it on your refrigerator if you have to. Okay? And the other thing you have to do is you have to have responsibility. You have to be responsible wielder of your own behavior. You have to be in control of your behavior. You have to be in control of your mind. And if you just, quote unquote, give everything to God and you just cross your fingers and hope for the best, you're going to pray all your problems away, right? You don't need to do anything. You don't need to lift a finger. You don't need to have, you know, you don't have to have difficult conversations with people. And this is common for those of you that aren't Christian. Or didn't well weren't raised in Christian families, this is common, common, common amongst Christians is this inability to discuss deep topics without getting emotional, irrational, pissed off, to the point of where you are you become estranged from your friends, you even become estranged from your own family. I've seen with my own eyes, families that do not talk to each other because of a difference of religious opinion. That's how powerful, devout, ignorant, blind faith can be. And for those of you on the far right, that this is the first time anybody's told you that, and if I was standing in front of you, I'd say it to your face. But you need to hear it because a lot of you are guilty. Guilty. You know all about guilt, don't you, Christians? (laughs) Yep. It's part of the system of control. It's part of the rewriting of the Bible over time. It's part of the intentionally leaving out parts of Scripture to be to become more uh, to create a situation that makes the ruler, the tyrant, the king uh, able to control you much more easily through the religion and through the language I'm sorry. you can believe in God you can believe in whatever God you want. but history tells us that there's more to The realities of this world than any single religion and you might not like that I just said that out loud but I assure you from my experience research study and reading I think there's a pretty good chance that there's something bigger going on in this universe than any single religion tells us I think every religion is trying to tell us something and for those of you that know how to look and listen and read you know what I'm talking about for the rest of you it's okay keep going you're early on in your quest you just got to keep walking the path you'll get there You'll get there. Okay. Enough of that. Chomsky. Noam Chomsky. You guys know how I feel about one of the most respected intellectuals of the century. Um, boy, even my world can get rocked from time to time. Reality sometimes seems a lot more like fantasy. Have you heard that Noam Chomsky, political commentator, author, linguist, MIT professor, was clocked in Jeffrey Epstein's calendar as having meetings with the man? Noam Chomsky met with Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein, Epstein's uh, um, private calendar uh, says that Chomsky was scheduled to fly to Epstein's plush Manhattan townhouse in 2015, reported by the Wall Street Journal. The 94-year-old linguist revealed that the pair discussed politics and academia during their meetings. Epstein reportedly penciled in meetings with Chomsky between 2015 and 2016. <laughs> okay, I have a question. What the fuck were they really talking about? <laughs> I wonder if Noam Chomsky is in the big club. Is Chomsky Mossad? People. What is going on out there? <laughs> Noam Chomsky, uh, Mr. I have the moral high ground when it comes to political philosophy is having meetings with, with was having meetings with Jeffrey Epstein. Wow. Wow. Uh big club involvement with MIT? Perhaps Uh, I don't know if MIT is an Ivy League school, but it's one of the big schools. Probably got a big endowment. I don't know. Probably funded by bankers and, you know, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, whatever. What is Jeffrey Epstein doing talking to Noam Chomsky? Boy, I cannot wait to see how this story unfolds. I mean... Who was this guy, Epstein? Why they take him out? Who's involved with all this shit? It's like the story that never ends. It, it it just keeps slow crawl developing over time. And boy, when we get to the end of that story, it's gonna be juicy. It's gonna be a truth bomb. It's gonna black pill probably the entire world. <laughs> Chomsky and Epstein. Never in a million years would I have thought that that was a real thing. Never in a million If you would have told me that, I'd be like, what is this, a movie plot? You guys, you guys writing a movie? You guys writing a script right now? Yeah, Noam Chomsky sits down with Jeffrey Epstein. They talk about politics and academia. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go take my crazy pills now. I'm going to go take a nap. I think I need to lie down. Man. Okay, uh, enough about that. Let's move on. So, in our previous show, um, s- somebody asked me, "What? Are, what are these? What is a BRICS country? What are the BRICS countries? What's the BRICS uh, reserve currency that is going to be the fallback from Project Sandman when you know they? Uh, uh, you know, the, I, I told you guys that the plan was a coordinated BRICS reserve currency, BRICS country attack on." The United States. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Um, so I wanted to read it to you. What is BRIC? BRIC is an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Goldman Sachs economist Jim O'Neill coined the term BRIC without South Africa in 2001, claiming that by 2050, the four BRIC economies would come to dominate the global economy. South Africa was added to the list in 2010. This thesis became conventional market wisdom in the aughts. But there were always skeptics, including some who claim the phrase was Goldman marketing hype. Indeed, a few talk about BRICS much uh, anymore, at least not in terms of their global domination. Goldman closed its BRICS-focused investment fund in 2015, merging it with the broader emerging markets fund. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa ranked among the world's fastest-growing emerging market economies for years thanks to low labor costs, favorable demographics, and abundant natural resources at the time uh, of a global commodities boom. It's important to note that Goldman Sachs' thesis wasn't that these countries would become a political alliance like the EU or even a formal trading association. Instead, Goldman said they have the potential to form a powerful economic bloc even acknowledging that its forecasts were optimistic and dependent on significant policy assumptions. Still, the implication was that the economic power would bring political power and indeed leaders from BRICS countries regularly attending summits together mm -hmm, and often acted in concert with each other's interests. mm -hmm. See what I'm saying, people? And 20 years ago, this was speculation. And now, here we are. This is a perfect example of the long game, the slow crawl, the usurping, the infiltrating, overcoming, acquiring. This is what our intelligence communities do behind the scenes. Yeah, so that's what the BRICS countries are. It's those countries that were forecasted to become uh, collectively a bigger uh, global economy than the United States in the future, and it started back in 2001. Okay? So that's what BRICS is. And Project Sandman is allegedly a CIA or intelligence community program that is going to be the kill shot is how it was described in that clip I played for you on a previous show. The kill shot to where all these treasuries come back, all the pound of flesh, like John Perkins from uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, that book. He always says, you know, as soon as they gave these countries these structural adjustment loans, everyone gets loaned money, funny money, right? And then as soon as someone picks up the phone, calls in what's called their pound of flesh. soon as someone calls in to get their money it starts collapsing fiat currency banks hmm you think that the people in charge of our financial system don't know exactly what's going on aren't designing this this isn't market forces okay this isn't capitalism people if a sit I I've been trying to get this point across to some of you lefties for so long And someone summed it up in one sentence on Twitter the other day, and I love it. Listen, people, if there's a central bank involved, it's not capitalism, period. Write that down and make a magnet out of it for your refrigerator. If a central bank is involved in your financial system, banking system, capitalism is not occurring, okay? please, let's let's at least at the very least, let's get that concept into some of your heads uh, before the end of this year. Okay? That would be fantastic. I really enjoy that if we all learn that quick. because it can happen any day now, people. that kill shot can come tomorrow. That kill shot can come in 15-20 minutes. You don't know, Nobody knows. except for the big club. People. I got a great band I am honored to bring to the show today. It's time to play some punk rock. All right, people. It's time to play some punk rock. And I really wanted to get to this article about BlackRock today and their Aladdin computer. I think I might have talked about it already on the show, but this article is just crazy. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time. I'll, I'll get to it next episode. Uh, but, yeah, apparently BlackRock has uh, AI uh map super computer called Aladdin that literally makes millions of trades on the stock market uh every day and some people are making the argument that it's controlling the world already um psh, wouldn't surprise me <laughs> wouldn't surprise me um So yeah, people, today I entitled this episode, You Lemmings Are Programmable, and I really feel that way. I really feel like the people on the far left and the far right are some of the most gullible, naive, NPC, unthinking, unfeeling, unaware, uh, irrational, emotional, not connected, low spiritual vibe and energy. And I pray for you people, man. I really do. And I'm not the biggest practicing Christian anymore in my life. But, uh, you know, I got the message. I've got the message from researching and studying multiple religions, not just the one that I was born and raised into. And um, I think staying open-minded and not being so rigid with your beliefs is probably a good way to live your life. You got to leave some room for tolerance and mutual respect if you want to live in a free country. Because if we can't find a way to coexist peacefully, if we can't find a way to live together peacefully, how do we expect to make our society better. You know what I mean? Alright. People. It's time to play some punk rock. Alright people. Do I have a treat for you today. Los Angeles based. Hardcore. Quartet. Jughead's Revenge have been delivering their own brand of speedy punk on and off since 1989. Their first few releases were on their own hard record label, including Unstuck in Time, their debut LP. Another early LP, It's Lonely at the Bottom, was re-released in 1994 on BYO Records, which would be their domestic record label of choice for several years. The band, which consisted of singer Joe Doherty, guitarist Joey Ramici, bassist Brian price and drummer jared thornton sorry if i got any of those pronunciations wrong uh would release several albums uh for byo including elimination in 1993 and 1995's 13 kitty favorites all featuring the same pure punk sound unsullied by the glam rock that was all the rage in la at the time in 1996 they jumped ship to nitro records which released Image Is Everything in 1996, and Pearly Gates in 1999. The latter, just before the conclusion of the Archie Comics lawsuit, because if you guys don't know about Jughead, you know, character in Archie Comics, I guess they had a trademark dispute of sorts. Uh, The band embarked on a farewell tour in late 2000 and early 2001 before breaking up. But came back together in 2009 and are celebrating the reissue of Images Everything and just joined via People of Punk Rock Records. Their first official release since 2000, American Gestures, was released on April 8th, 2001. And they just uh, had their brand new EP, Vultures, come out Uh Literally today, as I'm recording this podcast, it just dropped, so go check out Vultures. Uh, So here we go. I'm going to play American Gestures first, because I love that track, and I'm going to play a couple tracks off of Jughead's Revenge's new EP entitled, Vultures. It is an honor and a privilege, my fellow Americans, ladies and gentlemen, to present to you making their debut on the politics and punk rock podcast here's punk rock ogs jugheads revenge with their song american gestures <laughs> The American dream is a scam. And I love that line. We're not minimum wage. We're maximum rage. Ha <laughs> ha! That was American Gestures. A song by Jughead's Revenge. I'm actually going to play uh, four Jughead's Revenge songs today because I feel like it. I'm in the mood. This next song. Is off of Jughead's Revenge's 1998 release, just joined. And uh, the song themes up quite nicely with the show today, with their second song on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast today. Here's Jughead's Revenge with their song, Victims and Volunteers. Be the baby People, that was the song Victims and Volunteers by Jughead's Revenge. All right, let's uh, move on. Now let's play a couple tracks off of their new EP that just dropped today. And I like this track. This track is uh, awesome. So uh, let's kick it off with their third song today off of their brand new EP entitled Vultures that just came out today. Go pick it up, people. Here's Jughead's Revenge with their song, Bridges. It's not over. It's not the end, people. (laughs) That was the song Bridges. Off of Jughead's Revenge is brand new EP entitled Vultures. People, thank you so much for listening to the show today. Go to the website politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a hat. Buy stickers and magnets. Buy a a really expensive hoodie, but it's really cool. And on the back of it, it says, You Lemmings are programmable. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you guys have been enjoying the show. Uh, I feel like my show is getting better, and I like watching it grow. Here we go. This is a fitting song to end the show today. With their fourth and final song, here today on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, here's Jughead's Revenge. With their song, I'll be seeing you, and I'll be seeing you people. I'm going to get right to the outro clip after this song. I know the show's getting a little long today, but it's worth it. Thank you so much, Jugheads Revenge, for letting me feature your awesome tunes on the show today. I've loved you guys for years and years and years. Punk rockers, OGs. Thank you so much, you guys. Here we go. I'll be seeing you by the band Jugheads Revenge. That's the show. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 141 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled, You Lemmings are Programmable. We'll see you
3: next time. I'm going to start, Professor Harari, with you um, uh, to shape us uh, what is at stake. And I want to start with a quote from one of your books. Um, You said humans, you wrote, humans will change more in the next hundred years than in their existence before. Um, AI and biotech could undermine the idea of individual freedom, making free markets and liberal democracy obsolete. (coughs) Democracy, you went on to say, in its current form, cannot survive the merger of biotech and infotech. So, would it be fair to say that you think a huge amount is at stake in this, and why?
4: Yeah, very much so. I mean, on one level, the more shallow level, it would be a repeat of the 19th century Industrial Revolution, when the leaders in industry um, basically had the power to dominate the entire world, economically and politically, and it can happen again. With the uh, AI revolution and biotech revolution of the 21st century, and we are already beginning, I understand the, the current arms race as an imperial arms race, which may lead very soon to the creation of data colonies. you don't need to send the soldiers in if you have all the data from a particular country, but on a much broader and deeper, uh, from a deeper perspective, I think it really is going to shape the future of of humanity and the future of life itself because the new technologies will soon give some corporations and governments the ability to hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, smartphones, emails, bank accounts, but the really big thing is hacking human beings. To hack human beings, you need a lot of biological knowledge, a lot of computing power, and especially a lot of data. If you have enough data about me, and enough computing power and biological knowledge, you can hack my body, my brain, my life. You can reach a point when you know me better than I know myself. And once you reach that point, and we are very close to that point, then democracy, the free market as we have, and actually all political systems, also authoritarian regimes, um, we have no idea what, what happens once you pass that point.